Welcome into TFW Live, the best kept secret in fantasy football, where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. This is episode 307, and we will be discussing which rookies are worth drafting and exactly kind of where we want to draft them with the one and only Matt Waldman. But first, support for TFW Live is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products, like this lawnmower 4.0 right here, are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, and you can join the 6 million men worldwide who trust in Manscaped with this exclusive offer from the Fantasy Whispers to you, 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code TFWMAN, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. I am Big Travi, and I'm joined here now by my best friends, Johnny Game Time Hicks and Austin Sear. And a big welcome to Whisper Nation, all of you in the chat. Albert, Pizza Belly, Donnie, uh, Jersey Jay, I'm sure will be in here at some point. We appreciate all of you. Uh, and a lot of gratitude for our members on YouTube who support the show through a monthly subscription. Speaking of Pizza Belly and Jersey Jay and Donnie, also Don Caples. Uh, but Bailey Ziegler, Kevin Davey, Nick, Brett Zabo, John Credit, Eric Lorenzen, and the Hannibal join those crew as well in supporting. If you would like to join that growing list of YouTube members, click that join next to the video. Now you get all sorts of cool emojis. You help us out and uh, you get access to, you know, some common priorities. So it's a good thing. We also want to say thank you to our patrons. They've supported the show throughout uh, since we've started this thing. We have big updates to our Patreon account coming this month. So stay tuned. And of course, got to thank all those who joined Whisper Nation via social media this week. Quentin Slobata, Ed McShane, Coach Patrick, Lewis Dodgson, and Anita Marks, Bruno Bates, Big Dog Fantasy Football, The Specialist, Dynasty Pat, Steve Henrique, and New York Nick. And if you love fantasy football, you want to join a community where you know you belong, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. We just want to get one more sub on this stream. Just one more. Could be you. If you're new, let us know where you're streaming from. We'd love to shout you out on the show. As mentioned at the top, we're going to go into these rookies with a very, very special guest, a legend in the industry, not just fantasy football, but football in general. Football guys, senior staff writer since 2009 and creator of the rookie scouting profile or pro portfolio. Sorry, Matt Waldman. Welcome, Matt. Yeah, Thank you so much for Woo! being here. Hey. How are you, my man? Man, thanks for having me. And I like that you guys have Anita Marks joining your, your profile. She was a yeah. heck of a quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, did, I did some shows I, with her way back in the day before she was on ESPN. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. She, I, if it's, that's the right Anita, if it's the same Anita Mark, she works for ESPN about. right yeah. now. She, yeah, yeah, she, I DM'd her after she followed us, hoping to get her on the show in season. Yeah. So uh, we'll ask her about her quarterbacking days, see how yeah, she did. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here, Matt. We know you like to dive into the scouting and the rookies and also just the uh, ball in general but we want to let whisper nation get to know you a little bit here before we get the show started so we'll start off with a round of questions here if you're down uh what year did you start playing fantasy football i think it was 1994 and okay. and and sadly sadly i was asked in an office league i think the year before and i literally just like stood up the draft like oh no i, I just had i was like I forgot about it. They had no idea, you know. So <laughs> I, was, I was actually glad. I was actually glad they let me back in that first that first year. So that's awesome. Well, from then until now, check you out. Yeah, yeah. things change, man. Uh, what do you root for your NFL team or your fantasy team more? 
Oh, my NFL team. At this point, there was a time it was probably my fantasy team. Yes. Um, but but now it's my NFL team. And really, I don't look at I find that I don't look at my fantasy teams until like Monday night. Um, that's wow. probably such a peaceful way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get older, you want the stress low, man. That's, yeah, that's right. how it goes. Yeah. I love hearing that's a bit of a fresh take. How about your favorite fantasy football player all time, Matt? Probably has to be Edron James. Um, ah, because, because he was probably the boldest pick I ever made. I picked him in the first round as a rookie Ooh. in a draft where I took him and then I followed up with Eddie George. And I could have picked him, Marshall Falk, and or Eddie George. And Falk was that year in '99 with the Greatest Show on Turf, Ooh. and that 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 helped me uh, that helped me do some major renovations on my house. So Edron James, <laughs> and, and and I was and I was immatriculated at the U. So you know, getting a getting a chance to to watch Edron James play during those first couple of years, um, he was he was unbelievable at that time so it's kind of an intersection um there are certainly mil- dozens of other players that i could mention but james is just somebody that just right off the bat was so great and i thought he could have been he was a hall of famer he could have been even more than what he was if not for the knee injury that he had in mm. year three yeah well, speaking of watching a player and enjoying it, I wanted to know if you've looked at a player coming out and then been completely shocked, like in a positive way from his game in the NFL, like his game in the NFL didn't really match the tape coming out. If somebody comes to mind. Yeah, there's lots of guys, but the one, <laughs> the one that comes to mind the most is Alvin Kamara. Because mm-hmm. when I watched Alvin Kamara, he was a fumble machine. He liked to bounce everything outside. And those are usually two things that you realize that guys need work with. Those are things that when I looked at a guy like Darren McFadden or CJ Spiller, um, they were players that I would, that people thought were just unbelievably high on. And I was not. And then Kamara exhibited a lot of those tendencies, but when he got into the league, he was terrific downhill. And I found out later, like years later, who's who someone who was connected to in the league said to me that that Sean Payton did not like Alvin Kamara coming out either. Mm-hmm. And that in a lot of ways, because he thought that he didn't take it up inside enough and was concerned about his ability to like run tough and and wow. got on him about it early. And Alvin Kamara is one of those great anomalies who actually worked like, on took it. to it very quickly yeah. and mm-hmm. just and started and and played strong. He's almost mystical with his contact balance. Yeah. Breaking oh, well, and then you see his workouts and it's like, I kind of get why you are. I mean, you're balancing on the ball and catching other things. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He looks like he looks like, you know, those Rube Goldberg machines we yes. see in cartoons. He looks like he's the invisible person in the middle of the Rube Goldberg machine making all those things happen. He's yeah. unbelievable. Absolutely. Matt, what is your favorite live draft memory? <laughs> um probably not the, well, not I mean, the one where you stood them up <laughs> yeah not that, not that one um i would definitely say probably taking the probably taking edger and james in the first round and that because everybody laughed at me and then mm. and then i i got pretty much every bit of money out of that uh yeah. out of that out of that league except for one payment which was to the runner-up so um you know that that was a great memory especially because i I had at the time, I think I left my cheat sheet 
somewhere. I was at my oh. girlfriend's house and she lived like an hour away. And I think I, I think I drove like, and then we were going to be late and then we were late getting started because I had to drop her off. And I think I, I, I think I did the closest thing I could do to the Dukes of Hazard in Georgia, um, <laughs> you know, getting to that draft. And so I was really not prepared on top of that in terms of the way that I, that I wanted to be. And it ended up being one of the best drafts I read. That's Matt, what's nice. a sound that you love? A sound you love? Um, a tenor saxophone. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You play sax, right, Matt? I do. Yeah. Okay. Do. That's, that's so, music sheet in the background, right? Yep, I've got some. Yeah, I've got some stuff going on back there. I play the bass and the saxophone. So awesome! Uh, so How about your favorite uh, swear word? Fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty. Nice. Any any iteration of that that I can think of, pretty much would be it. Yeah. What's the most leagues you've ever played in? Um, probably somewhere between twelve to fifteen at a time. Um, okay. I've cut down now to where I'm. I'm at about four to six right now. Um, and I'm trying to keep it at that. Um, I know some people, I think Bloom probably plays in like 30 or 40, but <laughs> yeah. I, I just find, I just find I like keeping it. I like keeping it a handful. Yeah. Most exciting fantasy football moment for you. <laughs> oh man. Um, I would say, you, you know, certainly one of them, so, you know, once that worked out well was watching Chris Carter light up the bears um, while I was I had an office mate. Just my first league was in an office where before the office came out and literally I was Jim and my friend was Dwight and and he and we both managed a room and we would play pranks on each other all the time, like things like I would take he would like put tape over the phone receiver. So when people would call in to reschedule, I couldn't hear them and it hang up on me. <laughs> I tape his desk shut and he, and, and he'd be sitting and like, you'd see him like in the middle of a room, just like yank at it and couldn't do it. And he's just like this big old bear of a dude. Okay. Pop his workout and, ball with a pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had a, he had a, he had one of those loops in the back of his shirt. And while he was saying goodbye to people, I, I talked to him for a minute and I put some toilet paper in the back of the loop. And just as he walked across the room for like 20 yards, he was waving goodbye and people started laughing. And I remember yanking it and it literally came out before he could see it, but he turned around and looked paranoid. So I say all this because we decided he was a good fantasy player too. So David, if you're out there, um, but he, uh, we had a we had a bet once where we went over to his house and we went shopping the entire uh, morning at the grocery store and just like just pigged out and all day we just talked trash like whoever was going to lose that matchup had to pay the bill for the groceries um so like we're just talking smack the entire time and i think it was chris chris carter who just basically um you know went off in that game and and i could just basically i remember getting up i think after the touchdown and it had been like late later in the day and i think i got up and just walked out the door and and just said thanks you know and, and so, yeah, <laughs> we had a good time with that you, um, yeah i think I the, that. but maybe the most exciting one was when i lost i lost i lost a chance i had a big comeback and i had picked fred lane if you remember fred lane way back in the day who was an undrafted free agent running back out of lane college with the panthers when tim biaka patuka was this like supposed to be like the Brees hall coming out of you know way back then and lane 
Lane was like the Isaiah Pacheco, like made good, oh. like, you know, type <laughs> of player. And he, and I rode him all the way to like an unlikely playoff appearance against our favorite, the, the team that was the favorite. And cause all my running backs got hurt early and, um, and I needed like 20 points to win. And, and I had it marked to like 120 yards and two touchdowns and a touchdown. And he got in the final drive, he got the ball most of the drive and literally got the 20 points. He had the 120 yards I needed. He just needed a touchdown. He got at the 10 and I was watching this game in a bar with some, and, and there was a guy who was in front of me watching the screen who was freaking out over this game because he had bet some money on it. And he was like making a big deal. And I was quiet. I was yeah. nervously quiet. And he was like <laughs> doing like a Broadway show on his, you know, on his <laughs> angst, you know, he only bet a hundred dollars. I had, a, I had about $1,300 riding on this. Oh. And, and he, um, Lane got the ball first and 10 inside the 10 gets to the one. I'm like, I've got this literally gets the ball three straight times after that. They even get it to him on fourth down and does not get in. And oh. I was one yard short oh. for that. So, um, so yeah, so he, and he's like, he freaks out. He goes, I just lost a hundred dollars. Looks at me. And I got up and left and it was like, yeah, I just, I looked at him. I said, I just lost 13, a chance oh. of 13 and left, you know, but so, yeah. So I've had some heartbreakers. Like that. Oh my God. I love that you juxtapose. I don't love that that happened to you, but I love that you juxtapose it with the winning and the losing because it's, su it's such a dichotomy that we deal with yes. all the time in this game. Yeah. And it, you called it exciting because it was exciting, even yeah. though it ended in, in the bitter or in the, in the bitterness there, you, 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 you called it what it was. I love that. That was awesome. How about a favorite game day beverage for you, Matt? You know, I'm I'm a basic dude when it comes to drink beer. I mean, honestly, it's a uh, um I've had all sorts of different kind of beers and I can appreciate all that stuff, but just give me a Miller High Life. I'm fine with it. Oh, let's go. Champagne of beers, baby. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. You Love got a friend it. in Jesus over there. Yeah. There we go. Hey. Well, uh, along with that, what is your best uh, or your favorite movie theater snack? Ooh, I think probably it's a it's a close it's a close tie, but I'll say probably like I'm um, raisinets and popcorn put together. Yeah, nice. Or, or you know, I kind of I I kind of and, and I like Twizzlers too, but I think those are. But I, I'd rather have those than than just like cherry coated plastic on a regular basis. So I'd, I'd, I'll just go. I'll say the popcorn and the and the raisinets. Yeah. So here's our last question as a part of this segment, moving into a little bit of football talk. Matt, you operate the rookie scouting portfolio, and you've done so since 2006. And I'm wondering if you could share some top level rookie analyzing insights. Like, what do you look for most when you're evaluating players who have not yet touched the NFL field? Man, I could we could go two days and, and not have enough time. But that, I'll, I'll give you some quick ones. You know, I mean, things like with quarterbacks, with quarterbacks and Mark Schofield, who's my co-host on on the quick game pod that I do during the season, who's a former quarterback, has, I, you know, does fantastic work. He's credited me for saying that he really learned a lot from me in this one area, which was to that quarterbacks need to understand leverage of the coverage on the, the on the, um, on the receiver, like, and that's the, the position that the defender is relative to the receiver at the decision point. Mm. You can talk all you want about, 
cover two, cover three, mirror, all the different types of schemes and things that they do and how intellectual they are. But it really comes down. Quarterback is a performance craft. And when you're on stage performing, you have to have good timing, just like you have to have good timing with comedy or with your lines or as a musician, as a quarterback, it's the same thing. So you can have guys who you hear in the draft all the time. They ace the the whiteboard they sound like a coach and they are unbelievably intelligent well they may have all this knowledge but you look at brett Favre, who didn't know what a nickel was for the first couple of years in the league um or in the first couple of years in green bay after he was a sideshow joke for jerry glanville in atlanta um and he was he was unbelievably confident when he knew where he needed to go, the ball came out immediately. And that's something that a lot of quarterbacks like Alex Smith, who, you know, and you know, a Big 12 accounting firm would probably want to hire him, you know, yeah. right, right now. But he's, you know, in terms of his brains, but he was always a beat late or a beat or two mm. hesitant at the big moment. And that's because the confidence and the intuition wasn't there. And they're learning that intuition is a big craft. So I would say overall, the the closer you are into the middle of the field where you're aligned um, and Rick Spielman brought this up on the athletics podcast. And it's true from what I've seen as a scout for years is that the, the, the closer you are lined up in the middle of the field, the faster you need to be able to process information because you're dealing with more bodies. And that mm. means that the way that you can convert what you see into action. And that means that you have to have uh, an integrated skill in terms of techniques concepts and quick intuitive execution and being able to create different combinations of solutions in a manner that um, aren't always going to be rehearsed and so that would be a very high overview explanation for all those positions mm, love I it love it man yes. i i almost want to just cancel the show and get into the two days the worth show notes dude. we're going off the trip now <laughs> but we we're going to get through the show because I know Whisper Nation wants to talk about these rookies. Before we do, we're going to quickly go through some of the news and notes that we pulled a few stories. I know there's a ton coming in these days, but Michael Gallup, you know, Jerry Jones was uh, indicated that Michael Gallup will avoid the pup and the reserve list. So really probably within the first four weeks. And in that case, Johnny, he'll be back here. So how does that affect, you know, Jalen Tolbert? Obviously we have the line for, for Dallas. How does that, does this affect you yeah. in any way? Are you looking to uh, draft Gallup? No, I still think he'll come and he'll like be a little bit slow to play anyway. Um, and they'll probably, you know, limit his snaps. It does put a little bit of cap on the Tolbert, uh, you know, hype. But uh, other than that, not huge major news to me. And moving on to Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera expects Antonio Gibson to be the primary kick returner this year. Uh, so, Matt, I just have to say, like, speaking of a guy that we we liked, you know, some of what he did, how, how have you felt? Did you kind of see him as a, a flawed prospect that if they wanted to turn him to running back, that this was probably in his range of outcomes? Are you buying some of this panic on Gibson? Kind of speak on that. It was definitely a wide range of outcomes for him because he was an athlete at Memphis. Usually when they recruit players and they say they're recruited as an athlete, that means we don't really know whether we're going to be able to turn him into a wide receiver or a running back. And and that's what they did with Tony Pollard. They did with Gibson um, is that they made them athletes. They used them as a little bit of both. I actually like Gibson a little more as a receiver than I did as a running back at the time, I believe, in terms of my grading. I'll have to go back and look, but I was kind of – but. There was promise with Gibson, and I think there still is, but he doesn't process the game very fast in the middle of the field because 
it's just not wasn't in his range of of skill sets to play certain types of schemes that you wouldn't see at, at Memphis. It was kind of like you could out athlete people, and also you could do some things with scheme where you're going to get them into space a lot more than what they're able to do um, in Washington. And you know, I like Brian Robinson. I think I had him as either my third or my fourth rated running back in this class, and oh, wow. I felt really good about him because I thought he consistently grew every year and developed as a better player he has very quick feet he's a very good um, processor of information he's a good pass protector soft hands and obviously can run for power um you, you know so he's gotten better as a decision maker every year and you got to consider you know people look sometimes logo scout too much they look at alabama and go well he sat behind all these guys well that's true. Those guys but good. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Those guys would probably be in front of most other teams other other than maybe a few others in the SEC or at the top of every conference. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, speaking of uh, Alabama player, we're going to move on to Jalen Waddle here. NFL Network's Cameron Wolf reports Jalen Waddle has missed most of the last two weeks of practice with an undisclosed injury. Austin, are you concerned here? You think we'll get Waddle back in time for the for the season or would you dip where you're taking him? I, I don't. I don't have a comment on where I think he's going to when he's going to show up. But in terms of how I'm evaluating this, I'm not concerned given he had 140 targets and over 100 catches from Tua last year. My excitement is subdued, though, because it's a new coach. Tyreek Hill is coming in with a lot of enthusiasm for my dynasty squad. I love that. I've been loving the sleepovers and Tyreek kicking it with the dog and going on local shows and gassing up Tua. I love hearing Mike McDaniel say when Tyreek Hill was available, we said trade everything to get him. That gets me excited. And if I'm Jalen Waddle, I'm feeling a little bit like all my I'm, I'm in high school and all my good friends started hanging out with some new popular kid almost. And I'm like, well, what, what, <laughs> what's going on with me right now? I, so, but I'm not concerned about it. And I actually love picking up Jalen Waddle shares. And I think you're seeing a bit of a dip on him. And I am eager to capitalize on that dip. Not concerned. I think the overall excitement is down, but I think that's just an opportunity. He's Andy's new toy, dude. <laughs> much. Moving on moving on to the Chicago Bears, our last little bit of news here. The Athletics' Kevin Fishbane reports the Bears wide receiver Darnell Mooney has been the most impressive offensive player at training camp. Uh, Matt, I don't know if this is more about the Bears. I just love to shit on the Bears Packers fan here. But I do <laughs> want to talk about Darnell Mooney, the player. We think he's a good player, obviously, and, and you you have high hopes for him this as the as the maybe maybe the main vein for the Bears this year. Oh, he'll definitely be that. But I think you're looking at probably an eleven 1, hundred to twelve hundred yard receiver, which is very good. Can get him maybe inside the top fifteen um, on the lower end of that. Um, he's a is a highly prepared guy, and I like highly prepared. Um, players at that at that that age range, and I think Justin Fields is going to take a uh, an easy step forward now that he doesn't have an impediment called Matt. Mitt. Um, yeah. he basically, um, you know, getting in his way and and putting him in situations where you look at the blocking scheme and go, how are they going to protect? How would anybody get protected in these types yeah. of scenarios? So I, I think that overall, M Mooney is a good buy. He's not a guy that you're going to look at and go, well, maybe he'll be top five by the end of the year. No, I don't think that. But but he's got he's a high floor, um, good ceiling, not great ceiling. All right. Well, speaking of ceiling, that's sometimes what's at play with these rookies. We're trying to figure out the mystery box that that is rookies. And, and, and there's a lot to be had here. Usually, if you can pick the right one, that's what we want to try and do. So, Matt, what we've done here is taken Fantasy Pros ADP and we've grouped these guys into like 
tiers by based on where you're going to be drafting them overall. Um, and so we've we've made these tiers out. And tier one right now, nobody is getting drafted higher than Brees Hall. He's going 37.7 overall um, from the New York Jets. My question, my question about Brees Hall uh, is. Is he going to be able to justify his ADP uh, or are we just setting him up for failure? Because we've heard, you know, like he's the RB2 on his on his team right now that uh, we got Michael Carter as the RB1. Um, we've also got like the coach, the running back coach coming out and saying, you know, I explained it to my wife as, uh, you know, which Pokemon I'm choosing in this battle is the way he described it um, because he, it's just like situational. So. My question is with Brees Hall going in the fourth, sometimes the third round, are we a little too hyped on him as a fantasy football industry or can he return that ADP or potentially beat it? He won't, he won't beat it. He won't return it this year. Uh, he's, he was my top back in this class, just slightly above Kenneth Walker, but really you could call him one and one a, it really didn't matter, but the landing spot is not good for him. The offensive line has gotten better in terms of personnel, but the, but the cohesiveness still has to be proven. Um, and all I know is that I was not a big fan of Zach Wilson coming out. Um, I had Davis Mills ahead of him. I think I had five Let's or go. six. I had five or six players ahead of Zach Wilson. Um, was not a fan at all. Um, I, I equated him to more of the John, uh, to the uh, Baker Mayfield of this class, another player I didn't like coming out. Oh, um, and so, so. so so when you look at it from that perspective, the fact that Joe Flacco made this offense look better um, last year, immediately when he came in the game, <laughs> old Joe Flacco. Okay. I mean, you know, old Joe Flacco. Yeah. Elite old Joe Flacco <laughs> made them look pretty darn. Also gave the en- the offense energy when, <laughs> when Wilson, when Wilson left the practice field this summer, um, oh. he made Elijah Moore look like the player everyone thought he would be. Um, but when Zach, but the problem is, is that the Jets organization spent a lot of draft capital on the number one overall pick, and they're gonna they're gonna ramrod him in there for, for good or for bad for the next couple of years to see what they have to give him time to develop. The problem is, is that um, that means that the game scripts are gonna flip so that the Pokemon that they put in is gonna be Michael Carter, who is yeah. the better blocker right now, who is the who is the top past receiving back in that draft class um last year and who is a very good decision maker between the tackles he's not as fast he's not as big he's not as strong but he's more refined and the two areas where it's going to matter the most is the area with passing down game scripts where they're going to be behind a lot with that jets defense um and zach wilson doing what zach wilson hopefully won't do as much of last year and if that's the case you know now if zach wilson takes a major step forward then that's the way for Brees hall can could make his adp because he will then be in those run game scripts where it matters to put him in and it's not like he can't improve as a pass protector and that it might not happen quickly he's a good football player Mm. but it's most likely that it's about you know, whether you're reading the the block, you know, that you're making the right adjustments with, um, you know, pass protection, um, you know, setups and games that, that that he has to be on the same page with the quarterback in the line and making those late adjustments 
that are difficult for rookies. I mean, AJ yeah. Dillon was one of the past best pass blockers I've seen. Same with um, Ramondre Stevenson in college, but both of them could do it physically. Everyone focuses on the physical. Yeah. It's about the diagnostic and it takes mm. a year. And, yeah. and that's what Ramondre Stevenson had to do. So Hall can Hall, it could happen for Hall, but really if you're going to, if you're going to, if people are going to shit on a player um, after, you know, when it comes to Brees Hall disappointing, don't look at Brees Hall. Uh, look at the guy in front of him handing him the ball. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Speaking of players handing him the ball, we're not totally sure who's going to be handing Ken Walker the rock. And that's part of the concern that I'm trying to air out, Matt. Ken Walker right now going 91.3 as of yesterday when we put this together. I imagine that number has gone down a little bit and will continue to go down a little bit as he's recovering from surgery. So my question is what concerns you most right now about Ken Walker? Is it the injury or is it the learning time that he's missing right now because of said injury, the other running backs on the depth chart, the offense, or maybe something else. Where are you currently at on Kenneth Walker? The third, the, the, the lower he can drop, the longer you can wait to be in a draft where you can pick him, the, the better value potentially mm. you're going to get from him. He's a fantastic football player, very polished. He, he was the more refined back of the two between he and Hall. So okay. like he's more game ready right now, pass receiver, blocker, um, decision maker, everything you want from that perspective. He just doesn't have quite as much upside as Hall, which means the difference between a top five back and a guy who could be a perennial number one generational player. And I don't think Hall's that type of player, but it's certainly that that's the upside that could happen if he mm. put it all together. So the, what worries me is one, you know, Penny is, uh, you a know, Penny is a terrific <laughs> runner who has finally figured it out, you know, and mm -hmm. he's, he's going to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, you're right. He could be a beast. Um, so that's, you're going to have a split right there. The second thing is, yeah, game scripts aren't going to be all that lovely. Certainly um, you worry about the offensive line. I think Walker is a, is a very patient runner. Um, and as someone who can be very creative. So I'm not as worried about that um, as I would be maybe with other schemes. But knowing whether it's going to be Drew Locke or it's going to be Smith, whether Drew Locke is going to study enough to be the, um, you, you know, to understand the good run calls and checks. And I know that's, I'm casting shade, but I mean, it's the truth. It's one of the things that I've rated about Drew, Drew Locke was saying when people said, He's the next Patrick Mahomes because they saw a couple of crossbody throws at Missouri. One of the things that I, I mentioned with him is that he's that guy who got enabled in high school. He was a star. Mm. He had a big arm. He had a, he could move his body, move well. He was a good athlete and he got to a mid tier sec school and they're like, we're happy with you because you're winning enough games for us. There's things you can work on, but you know, you only have 20 hours a week to work on stuff unless you do it on your own time. So if you're not going to, you know, this is stuff you can work on your own time, but we're not going to bench you over the things that you're not prepared for uh, at the level that you should be as you're trying to develop into a pro. But when he'd face the upper tier SEC schools, he looked like someone who was trying to like someone who maybe they're pretty good at math, but they don't, un but they have to study for the physics test. And then when the physics test happens, they didn't study. And now they're trying to do it the way 
that they were told in class and they can't and you can tell they're a beat slow with what they're trying to do and they and they can't get the answers right that was what he looked like and mm. i and i remember explaining that and my buddy cecil lammy at the audible uh, at football guys talked to drew Locke's dad and said this on the air he said drew oh, Locke's oh. dad actually said i've been telling drew for years that he needs to study more that he needs oh. to prepare more that he needs to be that that you know and that it was absolutely right that it wasn't drew's a bad kid it's just right. that he he just thought that because coaches were blowing sunshine at him because he was a, a a gifted player and was good enough great in high school good enough in college and very good in college that he could do the same thing in the pro so when peyton manning reached out to him and said anything you need do you you know let me know i'll be more than happy to do anything you want you know in terms of being there for you if you want as yeah you know, it's like hold my towel goes and 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 that's right and he just said not nah, and he didn't do anything until he was about to lose his job and then he yeah. started working with peyton manning meanwhile skylar thompson a player i really who was my top ranked quarterback this year um in, in my pre-draft basically has been working with dan marino from the first day he got there mm. i i this is off this is off script but i have to ask because it is a natural segue johnny and i are both cardinals fans we talk about kyler murray a lot your insights are second to none where are we at with kyler murray and his studying i'm not as worried about it just yet i think there's Thank a little you. yeah i mean i think he's not yet he says he's, he's fine <laughs> he's yeah. fine with what we're doing um the where i would worry is if they get a new regime and yes. and the coach is like i'm not attached to you and i don't want you because i don't think you're the type of player that i want at the quarterback mm. position um he's not great in the pocket in terms of like um maneuvering the pocket he's great at scrant he's great at running and breaking the pocket he's he's frenetic when staying in the pocket and that's an issue but in Is a wide vision? open offense it's it's a combination of both because drew Brees could do it russell wilson can do it and mm. kyler's not that it's you're really looking between defenders than you are over defenders mm. so for him it's more that his first move is michael vick like which was when you're, a, you know, look at Russell Wilson, who can move with the best of them when he, he can take incremental steps in the pocket to avoid pressure and right. then know when to make the dynamic movement. Kyler Murray is dynamic movement first and then figure out whether he needs to ride himself later, which means he drops his eyes from coverage. Yeah. The ball goes way out. He ducks his head. He's in this. He can't even stay straight to be able to get the throw off fast. And it makes his receivers work harder because of that. But mm. at the same time, he can create long enough doing that to then get a guy wide open and make it work with the arm that he has. So it's it's kind of like saying, you know, I can only think of a basketball analogy. It's like, you know, Dominique Wilkins, he wasn't a great defender back in Atlanta days, way back when, if you remember who he was. Oh, yeah. Um, but he but he Must could score buckets. You know, he was one of the best scorers ever. And he was one of the great NBA players. But there are lots of players like that. I guess Harden is probably a guy like that who doesn't defend, yeah. but yeah. he scores. He's valuable because he can score so much that you deal with the defense. And I think Kyler Murray's that kind of player. 
I like awesome that man. I could sit and listen to you talk about all these quarterbacks all day long and, and players that are already, you know, established in the league as well, but we've got to get through some of these rookies for sure. So I got it. It's my job to keep chat it on track. Blowing I'm sorry. Up, dude. Yeah. The chat's got questions and uh, pizza belly asking about James cook. That brings us to our tier three, Drake London, James cook and Chris Olave all going between one Oh one or one sixteen overall. So they're in that same kind of uh, frame. Matt, I had a question on London. We've heard the industry argue and maybe wrongly or in, uh, incorrectly, but hopefully you'll be able to educate us here about London's separation in college. You know, that was a big hot item about what he was able to do if he was a separated, uh, if he was able to separate or, or contested catch and all that stuff. And, and now we're hearing people talk about his quarterback play. Obviously he's got the injury. Hopefully he can come back in time for week one, but where do you stand on London's talent and what's possible for him in this year, just with all the targets up for grab there? Yeah, well, London was my wide receiver too, um, pre-draft, and I kept him there post-draft, um, just behind Olave. Olave to me was a, a tier above, and a lot. And my top two receivers last year, really almost ever in terms of what I graded and score, were Jamar Chase and then Waddle just behind that. And Waddle mm. was very high up there, and mm. Olave would have been just below that. Um, wow, he's a refined player. Oh. London is London is a good player. London is certainly someone I he can separate fine. He's not Mike Evans. Um, you know, he's closer to more of Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, T. Mm. Higgins. He's in that archetype, which is oh, which really? is yeah, which is which is a a plus possession receiver who can win on play action routes, who can win on routes that start inside and break outside sale routes, you know, over okay. routes, you know, the Vincent Jackson thing, you could certainly see where some of that okay. comes into a kind of a free access receiver. Um, but he's, a, he, he's great at the catch point um, obviously. So when you look at Atlanta, it was kind of a neutral landing spot in this sense, long-term short-term it's a bad landing spot because yeah. It's Marcus Mariota and and Desmond Ritter, and I and I don't think that either of them will be um, long term starting quarterbacks in the league. That's just kind of my viewpoint with those two players. Um, but but at the same time, there's enough talent there where he's going to get some decent matchups working inside out if they keep Kyle Pitts outside, which they're probably not going to do. Which means he's going to have to win on the outside early on. There's no Calvin Ridley, Ridley to balance it out. So right. it's gonna be he's facing he's gonna be trial by fire pretty much every week against the top cornerback if the top cornerback isn't playing Kyle Pitts. So um can he can he succeed? Yeah, but I think you're looking at like kind of a Corey Davis beginning in the same way that Corey Davis began with Mariota. Thank you. You touched on I did want you touched on Olave a little bit and great insights again on on Drake London here, Pizza Belly does bring up he was. This is one of our true blues. Wants to know a little bit on James Cook. Matt, could you touch on James Cook here? He's the last one in this tier before we jump over to tier four. Sure, and I'll just say about Olave. My my response, if you're in a dynasty league, is go get him, make him your top player on the board. I think he's that good. Um, All right, Travis, trade him to me. Yeah, but, uh, but no way. you know, Cook isn't far behind. I had Cook lower pre-draft because. As much as I like his game, I mean, obviously he's a fantastic pass catcher, and more importantly, he's a good receiver in the middle of the field, understands how to find openings, and can make the tough play. Um, he's good between the tackles in the sense that he makes good decisions. He has excellent footwork. 
He withstands contact pretty well, even though he's not a real after contact guy, but he can really manipulate defenses, the defenders and set up runs. Well, he's a smart runner. The, the problem I had with him is that you look at his size and you go, well, what team's going to make him a lead back? You know, if he's in, if he's in green Bay, would that work out? Probably not. If he, is he in Chicago? Probably not Cleveland. No. You know, I mean, if, barring the players who are right you know right there in a vacuum so when he landed in buffalo you realize oh well they've got a short slow um not very quick but excellent vision running back in devin singletary who's you know who's doing okay there imagine if they put a a short fast quick back with good vision on that team who catches the ball even better um and so Cook to me is the perfect fit there. And I would, I, I, again, I'm thinking of old school players, but Eric Metcalf, when he came to the Cleveland Browns, I believe had an 1100 yard total um, yards from scrimmage season as a rookie, um, as a running back. And then they eventually moved him to a slot receiver role um, because over time they just felt like that might've been a better fit. But I think he can be kind of an, an Eric Metcalf, Austin Eckler, type of back in terms of the range the high and upside isn't going to be eckler-esque right now but i think he's a guy that should be in your top five in terms of based on fit we were talking when the dynasty drafts were rolling around our rookie draft our our dynasty league of record we were talking like maybe his aggressive outcome for this year would be like an alvin kamara rookie season and then maybe like maybe even a david johnson rookie season where he's getting a lot of work as as the pass catcher to begin and then eventually just takes over the job year two year three something like that i would i think that's a good assessment and i and to me he's a he's a guy that if you can get him what what was his you know in 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 a redraft league i would think you're getting him sometimes in a home league, you're probably getting him somewhere between round six and nine. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. It's and, like the eight, nine and fa- eight, on this fantasy yeah. pros ADP. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, nine. I think if you can get him in round eight or round nine, you're doing fine. And lastly on that one in redraft here, round eight or nine in similar, in those drafts right now, guys going in that similar range to Olave cook in London. Some of the more exciting ones I saw, Christian Kirk, Melvin Gordon, Robert Woods, Michael Carter. Are you leaning to the new bag with the rookies, or would you pick up one of those veterans instead, rounds eight or nine? Well, if I'm if I'm building and I got running backs early and I felt good about those running backs, Robert Woods would be high on my list just because mm. he's reliable and he is healthy enough running without problems and he's going to be the main man there. They're going to need him. So I think that he's the sa- he's a safe pick with some upside um michael carter i would seriously consider too just because from what we're seeing um he's the guy that they rested in the preseason you know and and again we talked about the game scripts so but cook but cook to me is a guy that if you're shooting for the highest upside for the takeover backfield and to be a slot receiver and look i'm not a big gabriel davis fan i think he's okay but i don't get the the love for him in the sense that, I mean, I've done some stuff on Twitter showing why he had the big game against Kansas city and other teams, which is because the teams were paying attention to two other players, stuff on Diggs and Dawson Knox. And they were banking on that. They could get to Josh Allen before he could get to the wide open, um, slow developing play route to Gabriel Davis. And, and, and they lost because Josh Allen is unbelievable at being able to buy time and rock the ball. And even the play that he made this preseason that people are going off about was all about Josh Allen. It was all about, 
Josh Allen. I know, man. Yeah. It was an so, absolute dart. I was yeah. just like ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, so who who would I take over? Yeah, it, to me, let other people go off on a, on on Gabriel Davis and think that somehow he's going to be like a number one receiver when his he's at his ceiling of value. Give yeah. me Cook or even like in D- Dynasty, just hold on to Khalil Shakir. Because at the end of the day, yeah. those two guys might actually overtake Gabriel Davis in the pecking order one day. Hmm. Yeah, because they they target that slot receiver almost like second second most of any of their other positions there. Well, that uh, I mean, we could stay on the Bills for a while, but I, that's why I've been kind of on taking Isaiah McKenzie late because they've got yeah. him not only playing the slot now, but playing if Diggs goes down, if Davis goes down, he'd be like the fill-in guy. Yeah. So similar to the cook take, right? Where if it's like, if you want to invest in the bills, skip the high price guys and go later and get some of these guys like cook with upside, maybe McKenzie and then Shakira and dynasty as well. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to tier four here. And this is uh, about the 120 range. 120.7 is Damian Pierce all the way to Garrett Wilson at 129. This includes Brian Robinson, Traylon Burks and David Bell within this tier based on fantasy pros ADP. So, uh, Matt, this tier includes like the ascending running backs after a strong preseason, also some potentially slow to start wide receivers, which is more likely to be true for you this season that Pierce and Robinson are worth their excitement or that Burks and Wilson are going to take some time to be valuable in fantasy football. It's going to be truer that it's going to take some time for those two receivers to be worthwhile in fantasy football. And the one you want is the one you didn't talk about is David Bell. Because David Bell, David Bell, all he does is get open in the middle of the field and catch the football. And that's the thing that when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they want to play a defense that's not too um, aggressive. They're trying to just keep them from scoring points. They're not going to be a highly aggressive team because they know they want to just be able to keep the game in in check for Jacoby Brissett so that they can run the ball. But here's the thing. Um, I've been a Cleveland Browns fan for all, all my life, pretty much. And what goes from sorry. what they plan on doing in Cleveland goes wrong. So <laughs> most likely, yeah. most, most likely, whatever the plan, whatever their plan is, it's going to go to shit. So shout out most- Dog Pound though for having the most attended stadium out oh, of yeah. any entire their NFL. Fans shout out. Legit. I have yeah. never been to that stadium. I've been. I used to go to old Cleveland's old Municipal Stadium, oh. and that was the first game I ever saw was against the Dolphins with Don Shula's Dolphins with Greasy oh, and, and Paul Warfield. I was like five or six years old and that stadium would sway from the fans it was like oh, wow. it was awesome. which wasn't scary as a little kid because you're like oh it's, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's an amusement park ride you know right. but like yeah it was great but that yeah. just to say david bell david bell is probably going to be that guy who doesn't have i think he could his upside this year could be 80 catches he could be an 80 catch 700 yard guy 800 yard guy um this year and the amon amon raw of this year you think maybe with because watson is going to come back later yeah yeah he's a i I joke that he's like a a half cup jarvis landry a quarter cup of like deandre hopkins and a and like a and like maybe a an eighth of a cup larry fitzgerald and combine all that together that's quite the cocktail yeah Yeah, i drink that up it yeah, is, I'll know? take one of those on Sundays. Yeah, I'm getting drunk. <laughs> I'm getting drunk listening to it right now. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, and who else do they have? They have Donovan Peoples Jones, who's a terrific athlete, but is like he's he's that guy that the he's that inconsistent. He, That's yeah. his biggest problem. He's the number. He's the yeah. numbers chasers go after yeah. him, and then the 
And then you, Cooper's uh, great. He's Cooper. steady. He's but Njoku is Njoku is is a guy that wanted out and then saw that they were going to be good and then begged to come back in and hadn't worked at his game enough. Bryant is a little bit more of an interesting guy to keep an eye on long term. Yeah. But they they need a guy who can win in the middle of the field because that's what they're that's what's going to be open and they're going to let him dink and dunk to to run out the clock because. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to need to do is throw the ball a lot in those situations. So I like him. I'll just say quickly, Garrett Wilson, very talented, needs to do his homework on how to catch the football in terms of hands positions. I talked about this a lot with his game where he had a lot of lapses that he he thought a lot with that, and they're having issues with him dropping the ball. Um, he's kind of a Marquise Lee type where he thinks he can out-athlete people more often. He's not as much of a technician as he needs to be, but could be really good if he gets better. Traylon Burks, um, playoff coverage, plant somebody where his break path is going to be, and he doesn't know how to out-finesse you. Um, and that's going to be that's going to be an issue with him. He does not know how to get off press. Um, it's gonna They're going to have a lot of schemed plays for him, but – how successful those can be after the NFL sniffs them out by game three, game four, um, they get old pretty quickly. So Pearson, Pearson Robinson, like both of them at their ADPs, especially in PPR leagues, I don't think their upside is enough where you're going to go, ooh, I have dreams of running back one in my head, but they could give you a mid-range running back two value if everything hits right and the rest of their team plays well enough so that they're in decent game scripts, especially um, Robinson's going to need that. Pierce, if they if they're wise enough and go, we're going to throw him the ball because he's one of the best receiving backs in his class. He could wind up with kind of being your lower middle class DeAndre Swift in terms of value production, which give, makes him what running back twenty, running back twenty one. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. So thank you for uh, succinctly going through all those guys. I was yeah. going to try and ask you about Pierce, but you got it there because you're a pro. We're going to move on to tier five here. That uh, starts at Isaiah Spiller going at 135. It spans all the way to Sky Moore at 149 overall. We've got Isaiah Spiller, uh, George Pickens, Rashad White, and Sky Moore, as I mentioned there. My well, big Go ahead. My my big question, uh, per, you know, I'll be honest, it's a personal question here I want to ask you. Are you on the Claypool uh bandwagon or you because lately we've been getting some uh george pickens highlights and like you know they're they're saying even claypool saying he's like going to be one of the better receivers this year we do see a tend to see you know younger wide receivers juju did this and claypool did this like their rookie year they they have like this you know magical season and then they kind of fade away is that is that what's going to happen with george pickens this year or are you saying no i think claypool because of the change at quarterback and different situation that claypool could actually have a a better year this year i think it's just hard to trust steelers wide receivers right now because of their quarterback situation and bad offensive line and the changes and not knowing what's going to happen as a talent long term i'm in on pickens claypool was a guy that three years ago when he came out i was not high on him after six games i studied his tape to see what was going on and and i showed the difference between how he was played in the first six games and how he's played in the seventh game and the first six games you could tell he was not facing the primary corner um mm. defenses when they did play zone they their their first shift was always over to Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster or the tight end. They always overreacted to one of those players and let Claypool give up, you know, Claypool get open. 
Um, when they did scheme, when Claypool did get one-on-one deep and they targeted him, the cornerbacks underestimated his ability to win at the boundary, and they played. They didn't play as tight. Week seven, you they put their better guys on him. They rolled the guy. The coverage over first is the priority to him, and they made sure that they were they were glued to him at the the boundary. And from that point on, he hasn't been worth anything as a fantasy player. Yeah. Um, and, and it hasn't changed. Maybe it'll change oh, as, no. a, as a slot player, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, but Pickens, Pickens is a really promising guy. Um, mm-hmm. He has to learn how to position himself at the catch point in ways that are not going to show up in practice, but show up in games where real defenders who are, playing real football on him in a, in a real game situation are going to force him to jump straight up and down. When you attack a football, you don't dive backwards. And you see a lot of guys do that. They look like they're laying out and they get parallel with the ground. They're opening up their chest to the ball and the defender getting that. The hmm. best receiver, Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, early on in his career, J- Justin Jefferson, when you jump up to win the ball, you jump back for it, you don't jump backwards. That means that you're not tracking the ball really well. You're jumping late. They jump uh, early enough so that they get that they stop early. The guy overruns them. They get straight up in the air. Now their back is to the defender. The defender can't reach through to win the ball, and they yeah. win it. And Pickens has to work on that. He might get better at it early on, but I haven't seen evidence that he has. Um, so I'm, you know, he's going to be good, but it's going to be like that Martavis Bryant Claypool thing. He's going to bank on early. Let's see what happens after the defense is after the opposing defenses actually scout their first four, five games of tape and start developing game plans against them. Cause that's what happens in the league. And that's why people, right. the media goes nuts about the quarterback for four weeks who gets in there and they, he's the next great thing. And then defenses say, well, now we've got enough tape to do a scouting report. That's what happens yeah. with young players. So Claypool. Yeah. I would put that there in terms of, um, I would be more pickings. I like sky Moore. He kind of reminds me of, he could have a Jeremy Macklin like first year, which Jeremy Macklin was like an eight or 900 yard receiver who was in the top 20 in PPR leagues his first year as a rookie. I think that could happen for him. It's just a little bit of a cloudy situation, but I would much rather count on Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. delivering Sky Moore football than, than um, a rookie and Mitchell Trubisky um, with that. So I'd put Sky Moore above Pickens. Um, I like Spiller. But obviously, he's behind Joshua Kelly right now, and Kelly's played well, and I like Kelly coming out. I just think he lost his confidence early, and that mm-hmm. can happen in the league. Um, Spiller also has some issues with – he's got great footwork, but you know, with certain plays that are not gap plays with pulling, with pulling blockers, even with pulling blockers, he doesn't always he, – he can freelance plays that he shouldn't, and it gets him in trouble. Um, Pacheco's interesting. Yeah, um, and I I compared him to kind of like a Cam Akers type of talent um, mm-hmm. coming out. I thought that he was um, underrated with his decision making. He still has work to do between the tackles, but he's a guy who who really catches the ball well. I mean, like has terrific pa- um, tracking of the football, and that was something that stood out about his tape. And he played in the, a Rutgers offense where oftentimes people could mistake bad decisions that he made really with going, I'm either going to get planted in the backfield or I have to do something right now um, yeah. because I can't wait all day for my pulling guard to get around the center. Um, and he often had to do that. So um, he's going to need to acclimate. 
but he has he has the type of upside that I would be on him more in dynasty than in, in redraft right now. Um, but he's someone that if the the round twelve things too early, but after round you know if you can get him around round fifteen, round sixteen, I would be okay with that. Well, sort of that last ditch po- uh, stash in your pocket there at the end there. Uh, we kind of snuck into tier six here. So the rest of tier six with Pacheco in that 150 to 163 range is Jahan Dotson, uh, Christian Watson, and Tyler Algier. Um, I'll just, I wanted to, one more note on Pacheco before we get to the other guys' questions here. We see one of the viral clips going on is that he missed a, a uh, an assignment or just basically missed going to the outside and Mahomes is all pissed, like going to the outside. Do you think that's, what you saw in his tape and something he can overcome or is something that we'll likely see in like his first year, stuff like that. That's just stuff that happens with every player in their first year. They miss assignments. It's just, there's a lot thrown at them. So, um, you know, if he continues missing assignments, they'll find somebody else and they'll, they'll have to, and he'll have to work his way into gaining that trust. And and there's likely going to be some ups and downs within that way. But Andy Reid has always been known for, um, giving late round backs a chance, ranging from Derek Gore, Spencer Ware, Corell Buckhalter. Um, you, you know, you can yeah, go, you, you know, Daryl Williams. You can go on. They he's done that, and and when they've he's had top guys, and they don't perform all that well. You know, if they had top high draft capital, he didn't care. He'd put in the he'd put in the the guy who's worked his way into a position. So keep that in mind. He he'll give Pacheco a chance if Pacheco earns it. I have a question about uh, Jahan Dotson because, uh, I mean, draft capital was very high for Washington taking him. We're not super sold that um, even Terry McLaurin. I mean, we are on the show. We love Terry McLaurin. Sure. Uh, I think he's an excellent wide receiver. But how is – how is I guess my question is, how is Dotson going to even be fantasy relevant if, like, Terry McLaurin is barely fantasy relevant in this offense. Is there something we're overlooking? Is Dotson, you know, really that good that he can kind of piece it piece together, maybe a potential wide receiver two, wide receiver three season uh, this year with Washington? I think it can be a wide receiver three, maybe even a strong one, mainly because if they're playing, if they play from behind enough and they need to, again, it can be that David Bell effect of being in the middle of the field, playing in the slot where you're going to, where they're like, we'll let Washington win if they can piece together a 10 play drive with Carson Wentz um, and, and, and him not make a mistake. Um, and then they, if they score that way, then we're okay with that. And that, and that would mean Jahan Dotson would get more opportunities in that fashion in the middle of the field. But in terms of the deep ball, in terms of, you know, all the different things that you're, you would look at that he can do well, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to maximize that out of him. Um, so I'm not targeting him there. And, and frankly, all the guys that you have in that tier that you, you mentioned Christian Watson, Algier, um, Algier, I was not high on. I don't think he, he really diagnosed his angles well um, as a runner and a pass protector. And I think that um, Damian Williams, only reason he's gone is because Khalil Herbert was that good um, mm. in Chicago. Um, and then I love Watson. Like late, if I love Watson as a player, but this is the same thing with Romeo Dubs because we can talk about him. He's getting a lot of buzz. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about Romeo Dubs is – he was always really good. 90% of his game looked like a, a, a first day starter um, until the catch point. And again, 
positioning himself at the catch point, tracking the ball right, getting his hands in the right position to win the ball. When you want, he's always making a wild play in camp, at least once a day, Aaron Rodgers says. Yep. Then you watch the preseason. He's also dropping, yeah. yeah he's, then he can't he's catch. fighting or dropping balls. He makes some big plays because of his separation, but when he had to make some plays where he had to use the right-hand position, couldn't do it. And then we're hearing this week, Aaron Rodgers, well, these young receivers are going to have to stop making mistakes if they're going to want to see the field. And that's one of those things yeah. where that what that means is Aaron Rodgers sees the field a certain way. The receivers have to read the coverage like Aaron Rodgers. They're not doing it. Who's the guy everyone says is and not going to make the roster and is suddenly coming on and making plays? Sammy. Images? Sammy. Yes. Yeah. You know, at a at a deal where you go, if Let's he's go. healthy, three yeah. out of the four times he played 13 games, He's been a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two in the, it, but he's only done it in four seasons and he's played right. 13 games. Well, if it's, it can be, he could possibly make this four out of five and at round 16, 18, 20, where you can get him, I'll take that chance. Love it. Go. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Matt. This has just been an awesome, like dearth of knowledge. We just appreciate everything you've given us here. Um, just maybe quickly tell the people what you're working on. I know the RSP, but what else you got going? I know gut checks are coming out and all that good stuff as well. Yeah, yeah certainly. You know, if you don't know about my work at football guys, I've been writing there since 2009. I have a gut check column that I do every Wednesday and Thursday during the season. Um, or actually Wednesday um, during the season, Thursday's preseason. Um, and then I have something called the top 10 that I put out um, on Mondays at football guys, which is a film analysis where I take um, clips of games that I've watched throughout the, throughout the day and give you fantasy and football mixed insights that kind of try and give you fantasy insights based on X's and O's and scheme and craft of, playing football and then of course yeah the rsp i've got projections um that you thanks jay um yeah i've got projection service that is a um that's available for 24.95 where i project every player for dynasty and give redraft and dynasty uh I'm, excuse me not redraft uh long term and short build um win now builds with cheat sheets that are geared towards each of those as well as long length um that do tiered and rankings for that um, and then, of course, there is, you know, the RSP, which is available for twenty one ninety five, And that gives you, you know, as much in-depth about the rookie skill positions as you'll find anywhere. You have to give a big public thank you to you for Patrick Mahomes in his, in his second year, not his rookie year. But Patrick Mahomes in fantasy was a big, because of that top 10 film watching uh, thing, that piece that you put out for football guys. And then I know you're famous for the Russell Wilson. Like you're, you're famous for seeing Russell Wilson before kind of a lot of people yeah. did. So get over there, follow Matt Waldman on Twitter, and obviously can consume all that information. Before we well. let you go, Matt, I just got to say we hear a lot of commentary in this world. You, when you speak, it's information. It's not noise. And it's so clear. And I just feel like genuinely grateful to be um, able to know this is man. the well we can pull from. A lot of people are pushing a lot of wells. But as the points Travi just brought up, like this well's not going to do you wrong. And I really appreciate the yeah. work you have put in to be able to deliver such strong and calm takes. It's the sign of a man who has been there before. And that is so clear. And we are just better because of you. So thank you. I appreciate it very much, guys. And obviously, you know, I'm going to get my share players wrong. Nobody bats a thousand um, for that's for sure. But you're going to know why 
I mm. have the take that I give. And that's what I, I really, that. that's really what I'm trying to do is to, to teach people how that, how that, how the game looks, how it works and what I learn from other people and try and share that knowledge. So I, I very much appreciate that. And, uh, and I look forward to joining you guys again. Yes. Yeah, we look forward to having you. Yeah. You learned us a few things or two. So for Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Austin Sierra, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fancy Whispers, and we'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Right here. Hey, do you like mock drafts? We do too. You can come back every Monday and mock with us. Check out one of these videos and make sure you're liked and subscribed.